0: Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. Praise the Lord. Are you letting Jesus change your story? Amen? Thank God He changes our life. I'm going to be sharing today about the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and I'm going to begin from Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, where Jesus appeared to John in the Revelation. He said, I am he who lives and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and I have the keys of hell and death. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord over death, he's Lord of eternity, and he's Lord over hell and the grave. Jesus Christ is Lord. And At the resurrection, God made him Lord, praise God. And so when we begin to think about this, You know, Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord over death. I am he who lives and was dead. Jesus is Lord over death because of who he is. In John chapter 11, verse 25 and verse 26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection, the life. He who believes on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he who lives and believes on me shall never die. You see, because of Adam's sin, because of Adam's transgression, all of humanity had entered into spiritual death. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 12, by one man, sin entered the world and death by sin. So Jesus says, I am the resurrection of life. He who believes on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. When you believe on Jesus, you are spiritually made alive. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says you hath he quickened or you hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin Then he goes on and said and he who lives and believes on me when you continue to believe on him He shall never die. You experience his resurrection. Amen in this life and in eternity So Jesus is Lord over death because of who he is Jesus is not only Lord over death because of who he is but because of what he did Romans chapter 1 verse 4 says he's declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. You see, Jesus was different than any man because when he came as a man, he lived on this earth as a man and he never sinned. Every other person that's ever been born in this world has sinned, but Jesus never sinned. And so when they took him and they crucified him, Right? Satan, when he went to the grave, had no right to hold him. The grave had no right to hold him. Death had no right to hold him. He was raised from the dead according to the spirit of holiness. He had never sinned. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 26 says, Such a high priest have we who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. That's Jesus Praise God, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22 says, He did no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Jesus did no sin. Jesus is Lord. This is what the gospel presents. I want you to open your Bible for just a minute to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you want to put your markers there, we'll be there a little bit today. But in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 through 4, Paul writes, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach to you. Which you have received and wherein you stand. By which you're saved if you keep in memory what I preach to you unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. This is the gospel. Christ died for our sins. You know when we think about the cross. The cross was the most terrible death that a person in that time could, could die. And we as Christian people, we look at the cross as a thing of beauty because it represents life to us. But to anybody there, it was the death of only the worst criminals, only the worst sinners. Christ became a curse for us, right? The Bible says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, when he hung on the cross, cross praise God Jesus became a curse he was cursed in our place so that we could be blessed and so he says Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and after that he was buried what did the burial of Jesus do for us what happens when a seed is buried it goes down in one form and it comes up in another it changes identity Praise God. In his death, he took our sins. In that he was buried, it's talking about we receive a new identity when we come into Christ. In that he was resurrected, we receive new life in the spirit. You know what? We can't live the Christian life in our own strength, in our own power. So many people say, well, I'd be a Christian, but I can't live that life. God never expects you to live that life. You can't live that life in your own strength, in your own power. You can't live that life without the Christ life. But if you'll surrender to Jesus, if you'll let Jesus be your Lord, Jesus will come and live that life through you. You know, Christianity is not a bunch of rules. The Bible says in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. You can be right with God because Jesus took your sin. He became a sin offering for us, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. It's righteousness, peace. You can have peace with God. If you don't have peace with God, I hope you make peace with God today before you leave. You know, the Bible says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You can be at peace with God today because of what Jesus did. When you put your faith, your hope, and your confidence, your trust in Jesus, when you believe Jesus, praise God. And so he says he was buried. And then he says he rose again again. The third day, praise God. Thank God Jesus rose again so that he can live his life in us. Praise God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9 that if any man has not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. But he says, if Christ be in you, in verse 10, your body is dead because of sin, but your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And he says in verse 11, if the spirit of him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, he will quicken, he will bring life to your mortal body by his spirit that dwells in you. Jesus Christ lives in the hearts of believers. Now, Paul goes on and shares about this in verse 12. He says, now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how do some say among you there is no resurrection of the dead? If there be no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is vain also. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we've testified of God, that he raised up Christ, who he raised not up. If so, be the dead rise not. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and you are yet in your sin." Thank God we're not stuck in our sin. Thank God Jesus has been raised from the dead. And when we believe on him, he takes up his life on the inside of us. He says, if Christ be not raised, in verse 18, then those who have fallen asleep, those who died in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. You see, believing Jesus is Lord. And receiving Jesus as your Lord not only changes your life today and in this life, but it will change your life in eternity. Eternity is a long time. He says, but every man, he says says in verse 20, but now Christ is risen from the dead and he's become the first fruit of those who slept. So Jesus is Lord over death because of who he is. He is the resurrection and the life because of what he did. Praise God, he died, but he was raised from the dead by the spirit of holiness, amen. He never sinned, he took our sin, praise God, and because of the gospel, praise God. Not only is Jesus Lord over death, he says in Revelation 1, verse 18, when he appeared to John, I am he who lives and was dead, behold, I am alive forevermore, amen. Jesus is Lord of eternity, he lives forever. Praise God. He was Lord of eternity past, creating all things. He was Lord of heaven when he created all things. He was Lord on the earth. When Jesus walked on the earth, Jesus was Lord of the earth. He was Lord over sin. He was Lord over sickness. He was Lord over death. He was Lord over disease. He was Lord over demons. Jesus was Lord in every realm when he walked on the earth. But not only that, when Jesus went to the grave, Jesus was Lord over the grave. He spoiled principalities and powers. He took captivity captive. And he, he disarmed principalities and powers. Satan is not what he used to be. Satan does not have the power and the authority that he used to have. Did you know a lot of people still study the New Testament like Old Testament saints? And, and when they read, do you know the devil? And they talk about the devil here, the devil there. Some, the devil is only mentioned about 10 times in the Old Testament. I personally believe the reason the devil is only mentioned about 10 times in the Old Testament or a dozen, 10 of them are in Job, I think one in Isaiah and one in Ezekiel. The reason the devil is only mentioned about a dozen times in the Old Testament is because they didn't have authority over the devil like you and I have authority over the devil. But we have authority over the devil. I had somebody come to me this week and they were so distraught because someone told them that they had a demonic stronghold. I said, listen, we all probably have some demonic strongholds. But the good news is, did you know what? We have authority over the devil. And you're a child of God. And as a child of God, Jesus Christ lives in you. And you can take authority over that. And you don't have to live that way anymore. You're not hopeless. And praise God. I saw them this morning. They were doing great. Hallelujah. We need to be careful what we tell people. Praise God. Because sometimes we maybe don't even really understand what we're telling people. And what happened was that person lost hope. But I restored their hope really quick, and they're going back on the right road, amen? So I said, you have authority over the devil, and that's what I'm sharing with you today. You have authority over the devil, but Jesus is not only Lord over death. Jesus is Lord of eternity. I live forevermore, amen. Now, he was Lord by by nature, first of all, of his creation, John said it this way in John's gospel, chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. He said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. Praise God. Jesus was in the beginning with God, creating all things. He goes on to say in verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Jesus came to the earth, and he was Lord on the earth, and the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. It did not comprehend it. John 1.14 goes on to say, And the word was made flesh. And dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and of truth. Thank God for the grace of Jesus. Thank God that he came to reveal who God is to us. Jesus is Lord by reason of creation. The author of Hebrews talks about this in Hebrews chapter 1. If you want to turn there really quickly, verse 1 through 3. He says, God at different times and in different manners spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. And in these last days has spoken to us by his son. Whom he has appointed heir of all things. And by whom he made the worlds. He says in verse 3, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person upholds all things by the word of his power when he by himself purged our sins and sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. After Jesus Died, amen. He was resurrected and he ascended into heaven and he sat down there on the right hand of God. He sent the Holy Spirit. To, he's waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. And we're to rise up in authority and take authority in the name of Jesus over the works of the devil. Do you know today we have authority over the devil? The devil is not what he used to be. The devil can't make you as a believer in Jesus do one thing. That is the good news of the gospel. Now, when John says this in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, he says, I am he who lives and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. He goes on in verse 19 and he says, take the things that you've, uh, that you've seen and write them in a book and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. That's a key to understanding the book of Revelation. And it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now when he writes about the things which he sees, he sees Jesus as the resurrected Lord, a resurrected Savior of the world. He says in Revelation 1 verse 5, he says to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his blood. But if you go back to verse 4, he says, I have a message from him who is, right? And him who was and him who is to come, the eternal God. He is present, He was in the past, and he is to come in the future. And then Jesus speaks in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 8, and he says, I am he who is, and I was, and I am to come. I am the Almighty. Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. He says, write the things which you've seen. He saw Jesus as a resurrected Savior of the world. Then in chapter 2 and chapter 3, he saw Jesus as the resurrected Lord of the church. And there are messages that Jesus gave for the seven churches of Asia. And Jesus spoke to every church in every condition. Those seven churches of Asia represent seven churches of Asia. They also represent seven conditions of any true church throughout history. Then I believe they represent chronologically the church from uh, the, the Ephesus, the apostolic church. Right, to the last two, to two last days churches, the church of Laodicea, the lukewarm church. And you know what, Jesus, that's the church that in Revelation 3, Laodicea, that is by far the church in its worst condition. And Jesus gives that church grace. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you'll hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and I have fellowship with you. Maybe you think there's no more hope for me, but I want you to know that there's hope in Jesus. There's hope in the gospel. And even if you're lukewarm and haven't been doing that well, did you know what? Jesus is standing at the door of your heart and he's knocking and saying, if you will listen to my voice and if you'll open the door, I want to come in and I want to have fellowship with you. And then he got he, it, the last church that he speaks to is the church of Philadelphia it's the church of brotherly love it's the church the great missionary church I believe those are the last two end times churches and really prophetically when you look at the Bible two things are happening in the last days one there's a great revival God says, in the last days, I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. On my servants, and handmaidens, I'll pour out my spirit. And he said, it will come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Matthew 24, verse 14, Jesus said, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all the world for a witness to all nations, and then shall the end come. There's a great revival that's going to happen in the last days. God said it, and Jesus said it. But you know what? There's also a falling away that the Bible talks about. There's apostasy. And in 1 Timothy, chapter 4, it says, verse 1, the Spirit speaks specifically that in the last days, some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. In Matthew 24, just before verse 14, Jesus said, he he said, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Your love doesn't, it's not just, you're not hot on fire for Jesus and then just cold the, the next day. It's it's a gradual thing. You begin to harden your heart to the voice of the Lord. You begin to harden your heart to the voice of the Holy Spirit. But I want to stay hot on fire for Jesus. You know, but when you look at the Bible, really two things are happening. The Bible talks about a thick darkness that will cover the people and a gross darkness that will cover the earth. But he said it won't be on you. He says arise and shine in Isaiah chapter 60. For the light of God has come and the glory of God is risen upon you. It's time for us as a church to rise up and. To shine. It's time for us to go forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is coming back for a church that is without spot or wrinkle or blemish. Jesus is coming back for a church that's, that's living in power and authority. He's coming for a church that's on fire with his glory. That's the church that we have the opportunity to be a part of. I'm so glad that we live in this day. I mean, there are a lot of challenges on the earth, but this is our day. This is our time to shine. This is our time to go forward in the power of the Spirit, in the light of the gospel. This is our time to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, to cast out devils, to raise the dead. This is our time to share Jesus with the world. This is our day. And so Jesus appeared to John, and he said, I am he who who was dead, but now I'm alive. And I'm alive forever. I'm the Lord of eternity. And then he said, and I have the keys of hell and death. Write these things in a book, the things which you've seen. Chapter 1, he saw Jesus, the resurrected Savior of the world. Then he saw in chapter 2 and 3, Jesus, the resurrected Lord of the church. But in chapter 4, he said, then I saw, and there was a door in heaven. And I heard a trumpet speaking with me saying, Come up here, and I will show you the things that will be hereafter. I personally believe that's after the church age. I'm going to show you the things that are going to be hereafter, and then in chapter four, chapter four, God was speaking from the throne in chapter four and verse eight, and and these beasts right there, and Dick Date calls them angelic beings, and they said to him who was and who is and who is to come, but they were they were weeping in heaven because no one was found worthy to open the book and loose the seals to take it from the hand of the Father God who sat on the throne. But then in chapter five, Jesus the Lamb appeared to take the book from the hand of him who sat on the throne and he began to unloose the seven seal book. And as he unloosed those, my personal opinion is that that book is the title deed to the earth. You see we're talking about full circle. We're talking about redemption. The Bible says this in Revelation 2 verse 7. To him who who overcomes I will give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. We're going back to paradise. We're going back to the throne of God. Amen? That, that's full circle. And the Bible says in Revelation chapter 22, there shall be no more curse. That's full circle. That's full redemption. But as Jesus re- responds and comes forward, you see, I believe Jesus is coming to be the king of the earth, the resurrected king of the earth. He's king of our heart today, but I believe he's coming to reign on the earth. You know, there's a lot a lot of things in the earth that are messed up but Jesus is going to reign as king for a thousand years of peace on this earth and then he's going to deliver up the kingdom to God and the father and we're going to go into a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwells righteousness and we're going to live forever in his presence isn't that marvelous that's the hope that we have in the gospel that's the hope that we have in the word of God but Jesus prevails and he begins to take that book and he unlooses the seven seals different things begin to happen on the earth but when he unlooses is the seventh seal. The seventh seal is made up of seven trumpets. And when the seventh trumpet sounds... When the last trumpet sounds in Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15, it says the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Jesus is Lord of eternity. He's Lord of eternity past. He created all things. Jesus was Lord when he walked on the earth over sin, over sickness, over death, over demons, over disease. Over, lack. Jesus was Lord on earth, and Jesus is Lord of heaven. Jesus is Lord of the grave. Praise God, and that's what He goes on to talk about. And if we go to First Corin or to Colossians. Uh, Paul talks about this in Colossians, and he says this, speaking of Jesus, Lord of Eternity, in verse 15, he says, he is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the visible representation of the invisible God. If you want to know who God is, you don't have to go any farther than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and look at Jesus. And if you want to know, for instance, the will of God concerning healing, go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's written, 14, Fourteen times that Jesus healed every sickness and every disease among the people. That they brought all who were sick unto him and he healed every kind of sickness and every kind of disease. Fourteen times it says it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and then finally in Acts. Jesus is a healer because why? Our God is a healer. And Jesus puts a face on God and reveals to us the will of God. He's the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of every creation. He says in verse 16, for by him were all things created that are heaven earth visible and invisible whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created by him and for him and he is before all things and by him all things have their consistency Jesus Christ is the creator of the universe he says in verse 18, not only is he Lord of heaven, but then he's Lord of earth. He's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross to restore a right relationship or recon- reconcile all things to himself, by him I say, whether there are things in heaven or things in the earth. He goes on in verse 21 and begins to talk about he's Lord through his life in us. And you who were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, has he now reconciled, restored to right relationship in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Do you know this is how Jesus Christ sees you as a believer? You need to see yourself the way God sees you. He sees you holy and unblameable and unreprovable amen you need to reinforce to other believers this is how God sees you you need to begin to see yourself the way God sees you if you begin to see it it will change your life if you begin to see that you're the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ that you're sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ that you've been bought with the price in fact you know what I have some confession cards out there in the entryway that I made and I'll give them away to you today absolutely free amen and I'd love for you to get them because if you start saying what God says about you. You know, this person came in and they were so heartbroken the other day because someone had told them that they had a demonic stronghold. I said, listen, I probably have some demonic strongholds. You know, because when you study the scripture about strongholds in second Corinthians chapter five, we, we're just talking about a stronghold. It's talking about a fortified place in your mind. I probably have some places in my mind that still need some clarification. Hallelujah. And so I begin to say, you have authority. You know Jesus is your Lord. And you take this and you begin to say what God says about you. God says you're holy. God says you're unreprovable. God, this is who God, this is the scripture I'm reading you, the Bible. God says that you're unblameable. God says that you're righteous. God says that you're justified. God says that you're sanctified. God says that you're part, you bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Amen. And there's great power when you Begin to say what God says about you. And so I have one on who you are in Christ. I have one on what you have on provision. I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. I'm blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the field. I have favor with God. I have favor with man. I have a good understanding. And I have supernatural increase. I have a man in my church. He's over 80 years old. He came on Good Friday service. It was his wife's birthday. She just turned 79. He's 83. And he told me, Pastor, I had, he put those together. We're going to put it on a mug so you can speak it every morning over your life. Praise God. I believe we get you all to say this. It'll turn your lives around financially. And if you're tithing to this church, it'll it'll help this church. Amen. Praise God. But I have favor with God. I have favor with man. I have a good understanding and I have supernatural increase. He came Friday night and he said, pastor, I had one of those supernatural increase weeks again. Hallelujah. You know what? He's not believing in retiring. He's believing in refiring. He's believing in being a blessing in the kingdom of God. Amen. He's living for a purpose that's greater than his greater than himself. Amen. Hallelujah. So many people lose sight of what life is really about. We can live with a purpose that's greater than ourself. Hallelujah, not looking to sit on a rocking chair by a lake somewhere, looking to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth, looking to heal the sick and cast out devils, amen, looking to get people saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and set free by the power of God, amen. We need to be doing what Jesus called us to do, make a difference, and so we need to see who God says we are. He says, if, in verse 13, you continue, you got to continue in the faith. He says, rooted and grounded, settled and not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you've heard and which preach, I preach to every creature under heaven. Well, Paul, I made a minister. Now he goes on and says this in verse twenty-six. He says, this is what I'm preaching. I'm preaching the mystery which has been hidden from ages and generations, but now is manifest. It's now revealed to you, his saints, to whom God would make known to you what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And he tells us what this mystery is, which is Christ in you. He said, Jesus Christ has taken up residence on the inside of you. That is the good news. That is the gospel. You see, it's not about who we are. It's about who He is. I found out about this when I was only 14 years old. You know, until that time, I was saved when I was 8. I was born again. I'd received Jesus as my Savior. But when I was 14, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I began to find out that Jesus took up residence in me. I began to find out that I, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, that I'm sanctified by the blood of Jesus, that I'm purchased, that I am the property of Almighty God. And you know what? That changed my life. And since I got a hold of that revelation my life has got better and better and better he says whom we preach we're preaching Christ warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man complete whole and well perfect in Christ Jesus Wherein I labor striving according to his working which works in me mightily as you begin to focus begin to realize Jesus lives on the inside of you all of a sudden that still small voice in you becomes the roaring voice of the lion of the tribe of Judah and you can't keep help but hear his voice Paul goes on and talks about this is how we live in Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 he says as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord so walk in him rooted and built up and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving beware lest any man spoil you What's that mean? Cheat you, rob from you, take from you that which is rightfully yours. Through philosophy, after vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the basic principles of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete. Everybody say, I am complete in Christ who is the head of all principality and power. You see, we have authority. We have authority over the devil. He says, in whom you're circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body, the sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ. He says, we have identified with his work. In verse 12, we buried with him in baptism. In other words, when Jesus died, we say, you know what? When we're baptized, and we're going to baptize people just in a week and a half. If you haven't been water baptized, you can get water baptized as a believer. But he says, I'm buried with him in baptism. And he says, and we're raised with him through the faith of the operation of God who raised him from the dead. Who raised Jesus from the dead? God the Father raised him from the dead. Jesus Christ himself was working in that resurrection and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity was all involved in the resurrection. But you know what? When you identify with Christ in baptism, you're saying, you know, just like Jesus died, I'm dying to sin. And just like Jesus lives to God, I'm living to God. Amen. Amen. when you get a revelation of that, it changes how you live your life. He says, who raised him from the dead. Now, as we begin to think about this, Jesus is not only Lord, what? Of death, right? I am he who lives and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. He's Lord of eternity. Eternity past, creating all things. Eternity present. He was Lord when he walked on the earth and he's Lord in the church today. But he's also Lord of eternity future, Jesus is going to come again. And you know what? Those of us who believe are going to reign with him. The Bible talks about that. Praise God. And and so we we get to operate, praise God, and move forward in his authority. He's Lord over the grave. He said, and I have the keys of hell and death. I, I have good news, guys. The devil doesn't have the keys to hell. The devil doesn't have the keys to death. Jesus has the keys to hell. And he has the keys to death. And Jesus has given those keys to his body, the church, the fullness of him that carries out all things. So we have authority over the devil. Amen. We have authority over the devil and all of his works. You know, one of my good friends, Mark Hankins, was preaching. He talked about this lady came to him. She said, Pastor, she said, I was in an intercession the other day and I saw the devil. He said, well, why don't you tell me about that? You got to watch these people sometimes. They get off a little bit. And he said, yeah, I heard this big noise coming out from behind a big rock. And so I went around there and I looked behind that big rock and it's just only a mouse with a bullhorn. (laughs) Hallelujah. You know, David Ingalls wrote a song about about the devil and he says he he comes as a roaring lion but Jesus kicked his teeth out and all he can say is meow. (laughs) Hallelujah. Jesus conquered the devil and you have authority over the devil as a believer. So you rise up in in your authority as a believer and you take authority over the works of the devil. And you bind those things up and you loose what God says you have by the Spirit of God. And you begin to walk in victory as a believer. Amen. That's what this is talking about. Now when we begin to understand not only Jesus, Lord, amen, over death. He's Lord over over the grave. But he's Lord of eternity. He's also Lord over hell. And he says this in verse 13. He says, you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together with him? Has he made to live having forgiven you of all trespasses? What gave Satan authority in the life of man? It was sin. So Jesus forgave us for all sin and through that we have authority over the devil. He goes on to say this in verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross and having spoiled principalities. One translation says he disarmed principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Jesus is Lord over hell and Lord over the grave. Let's go back for just a moment to First Corinthians chapter 15 and let's take off really quick where we left i'll just read just a few more verses he says this in verse 21 through 28 for since by man came death by man also came resurrection of the dead for as in adam all die even so in christ will all be made alive but every man in his own order christ the first fruits afterward those that are christ at his coming are you going to be christ when he comes again Then, he says, comes the end when he will deliver up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he's put down all rebellion. That's what that's talking about. And authority and power. For he must reign till he's put all enemies under his feet. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. There's only one enemy that Jesus hasn't put under his feet yet. And that is the enemy of physical death. But Jesus is putting that enemy under his feet when he comes again. And he says, for he put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it's manifest that he's accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things will be subdued unto him, then shall the son be subject to him who put all things under him, that God, that our father might be all in all. He goes on and Paul completes this letter or this this chapter in verse 51 through verse 58. And he says, behold, I show you a mystery. We're not all going to die, but we're going to be changed In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So, when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then will be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory. I can hear Paul shouting this at the top of his voice. Oh, death, where is your victory? Death has no victory for the believer. Death has no victory for the believer. Amen. Oh, grave, where is your sting? You know what? The grave has no sting for, the, for those who believe in Jesus. Amen. The grave has no, you know, it's just like walking through a door. It's like just going to another room. It's going from death to life. It's like graduating to your eternal reward. He says, death, where is your victory? Oh, grave, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So what do we do with this knowledge? Number one, we need to confess that Jesus is Lord. You know, the Bible says in Romans 10, verse 8 through verse 10, the word is near you even in your heart and in your mouth, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. Jesus made righteousness available, right standing with God available to every person when he died and rose again. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So say this with me today. Say, Jesus Jesus is is Lord. Lord. Doesn't that sound good? Let's say it again. Jesus Jesus is is Lord. Lord. Now, why we confess? We're confessing Jesus is Lord because God made him Lord when he raised him from the dead. And we're saying it because we believe it. You sound like you believe it today. Let's say it again. Jesus Jesus is is Lord." Lord. So number one, we confess lordship of Jesus. Number two, we surrender to the life of Jesus. Just let Jesus live his life big in you. But number three, we share Jesus with the world. There's a world that needs to hear Jesus. Amen. They need to see Jesus living big in you. Praise God. They need to hear the gospel. Amen. So let's take Jesus to the world. Hey, I love you. Aaron's going to come up here. Thank you for listening to the Caris Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.